0: Isn't it wonderful that our lord was concerned about how we do things and how we relate to him He was so concerned about it that he taught us the very essence of prayer the disciples prayer The model prayer helps us see how we are to approach the lord Today we're going to focus on verse 12. I invite you to take your copy of god's word if you want to look at that passage Matthew chapter 6 verse 12 as we talk some about forgiveness you know, I was working on my sermon schedule some time ago, and I was, I was looking at what each week would bring and the special emphasis uh, as it compared to the messages that I would bring. And I got to this Sunday, and I realized I would be preaching on forgiveness. And that would be the same Sunday when we would be recognizing the couples who had been married for at least 50 years. <laughs> I think the Lord might be trying to tell us something. You know, it takes a lot of forgiveness. It takes forgiveness from the Lord. It takes forgiveness from one another in the marriage uh, relationship. And as I was looking out, some of you, well, some of you ladies in particular, you've expressed a lot of forgiveness over the years. I mean, I I could call names, Reagan Sutton. I, I could say something, Jack Cox. I could say a lot of things about some of you guys and I know your wives had to forgive you. Up, up front, I was noticing Martha married to a preacher. BK, she had to have a lot of grace through the years. I see Lynn over here, a BCM director, ministry. Edith, you had to kind of put up with a lot as well. I could call name after name. We could give testimony today. Maybe that's what we should do. But you know, there has to be a lot of forgiveness demonstrated in our relationships. I want to break verse twelve out into two parts: one this week and one next. Some of you knew that was coming, didn't you? It takes me a while to get through this, but I want to talk this morning about we need forgiveness, and then next week I want to talk about how we need to forgive. Because Jesus really gives us both emphasis here in verse twelve. He tells us that we are to seek our forgiveness. We are to seek forgiveness from our sins. And forgive us our debts, Jesus said. Forgive us our debts. Now understand that every line in the model prayer is actually dependent upon the previous line. You have these successive statements of Jesus. And somehow they build for us a staircase into this intimate relationship with God. So in verse 12, notice the first word is and. It connects... Specifically to the phrase that is before it last week. We talked about lord. We need you to give us our daily bread So we're dependent upon you every day for our resources We're dependent upon you for our provision no matter what our bank accounts look like lord We know that ultimately you are the one who provides for us and give, you give us every day what we need you know when I, I think about those couples that are celebrating 50 If you read my tidings this morning, the first thing I always give thanks for is that God gave the health so that you all could see this milestone in your lives. Because we're dependent upon God for the very breath that we have. And second, of course, the commitment itself. But we know that God somehow provides daily. And that's what Jesus had said. He said, I need you for my physical provision. That's what he had said in verse 11. In verse 12, when he uses this conjunction and... It means that there is also another need that we have in our lives, not just a physical need, but God, we need you to touch us spiritually. We not only need daily bread, Lord, but we need forgiveness in our lives. And so Jesus connects the two that we need to be forgiven of our debts. I want to give you a couple of truths this morning. Okay. First is this. We owe debts that we cannot repay on our own listen we owe debts that we cannot repay on our own now the word debt here in some translations you'll find the word sins or trespasses and all of those translations well they give us a different facet of what Jesus was meaning and certainly he was talking about forgiveness of our sins yes he was but somehow using the specific word for debt, and he does that here in the original language. Somehow using that, he reminds us that our sin has created some type of debt that we are not able to repay on our own. Well, many of us know about debt. Many of us could talk about how debt can come into our lives, and before you know it, it has encompassed us. Many of us, we, we have maybe... But you want to say good debt. We had to borrow some money for our house. Most of us probably had to do some. That's okay, right? You needed to live in a place. You want a house. You borrow money. Maybe some of you, I don't know, some of us, we have debts as it relates to cars. Some of us have maybe um, school debt still, tuition, the other things, the student debt that is there. Some of us have medical debt medical bills that have caused debt. Many of us know what it's like. We know what it's like. It's not fun even when you have something like a house note, which we know can be uh, essential for some of it. It's still not good to have debt, is it? Well, most of you, I guess, agree with it. You're good with debt, huh, in your life? That's good. You go in debt, you help me. No. Debt's never a fun thing to experience. I mean, it it seems like, now I don't want to I don't really want to uh, call out the postal service, Don Gay, or any of the rest of you. But it seems like they can only find my house when there's a bill due. (laughs) Because that seems what comes every week is some type of bill, some kind of thing saying, hey, you owe us this. We know what debt can be like, physical debt. But here, when Jesus is praying, he is talking about a spiritual debt. He's talking about how sin itself has created some barrier between our relationship with God. Now, we understand that as we look through the New Testament. It's really fleshed out for us very well. We understand that God is a holy God. He is pure. He is morally pure. He is righteous. He knows nothing of sin. Oh, and by the way, I might want to insert this here. When Jesus is teaching us how to pray, we need to be reminded that he's teaching us. He is not having to pray for forgiveness of his sins. Because Jesus Christ, as God, was morally pure. When he is praying here, forgive us our debts, he is not including himself in this number. Rather, he is looking at his disciples and saying, this is how you all are to pray. Because God, even Jesus Christ, as he is God incarnate, he is sinless and he is holy. Because of that, sin will separate us from him. The Bible teaches that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that means even one mark against us, even one imperfection, somehow creates this chasm between man and... And God God being holy He cannot accept sin in and out of itself So there's some kind of debt That is created there Jesus said We need to recognize The debt That we cannot pay back On our own Now see We recognize our sin Hopefully we do But we need to recognize that there is nothing we can do about it on our own. There are some debts that we cannot repay. No matter how many resources we try to muster together, no matter matter how many extra jobs we try to take, we will never create enough resources or funds to repay the debt that has been created by our sin. That means you can do all you want to do. You can work for the rest of your life you can do extra things hoping that you will somehow you will somehow cancel out that sin but i promise you it will not happen it's not going to occur on your own so let me encourage you this own your sin own your sin what do i mean by that here he says forgive us our sins god we recognize these are are our sins and god. We're going to own those sins. We're going to admit those sins We're going to recognize those in our lives This week as I was studying something occurred to me. It, it just seemed very appropriate to put it this way We must own our sin before we can really own our faith What I mean by that it means that we have to come to a recognition that we have sinned that we've just messed up in life before we can See true trust before we can see true salvation come into our hearts and lives We understand that we owe a debt that we cannot pay back on our own I think that's what jesus is teaching us Is that we must own our sin? We can't blame it on everybody else We can't talk it up to the relationships we've had We can't somehow put it off on our parents. We can't put it off on our spouse We can't put it off on our children. We must own our own sin and say, we recognize that we have messed up. Now listen, oftentimes we go around and we, even those who may be unbelievers, they'll say, oh yes, we all mess up. And we've said it so much that it's almost become a flippant type of statement. Yeah, we mess up. Yeah, we recognize yeah, everybody messes up. We know everybody does. Friends, that should be a serious statement in our hearts and lives. It should bring us back to this somber moment of recognizing that, yes, we have sinned, and that has had dramatic consequences on our relationship with God. We have sinned, and yes, we, have, we should own that sin in our lives. And then we need to recognize, as Leonard Griffith said, we can't pay for it, but we can pray for it. We can't pay for our debts, but we can pray about our debts. Just as Jesus taught us, forgive us our debts. So let me give you the second truth. Some of you taking time, say, Oh, this is going to be a quick sermon today. First point already by, now Second. Let me give you the second truth. God is the only one that can forgive our debts. You see, we have debts that we cannot pay back on our own. But what Jesus teaches us here is God is the only one that can really forgive our debts. Notice who he's going to. He's going to the Father. He's addressing the Father. This is Some of you English teachers will love this. Second person singular. You. You must forgive our debts. Only God can do that. You know, even the early Jewish leadership knew that only God could forgive sins in such a matter. It actually brought Jesus into conflict with them. If you were to look over to Mark chapter 2, for example, you don't have to, but just remember the story. It's the story of the paralytic. You remember he has four friends. And they bring this paralytic to Jesus. Well, they're trying to. They can't get into the house. So what they do is they go up on top of the house. It's an awesome scene, isn't it? Do anything you can to get your friend to Jesus. They go up on top of the house. They make a hole. I'm sure this homeowner was very happy about it. They lower him down so he can see Jesus. Jesus makes a statement of forgiveness in this man's life. He says, Your sins are forgiven. And the religious leadership, they're sitting around and they're thinking, and they think, How can he do this? Only God can forgive sins. Now, See the Jewish leadership was right about their theology in that Only God could forgive sins their problem was they did not recognize Jesus as God For in this statement in this statement where he says he has authority to forgive He has the prerogative to forgive sins what Jesus is saying is I'm divine. I'm I'm God And then Jesus knows what they think Man that must be unbelievable, right? It says they're sitting around thinking about how only God can forgive sins and how could this man have the right to forgive. And while they're sitting there thinking, Jesus talks to them about their thoughts. That kind of make me nervous if people knew what I was thinking all the time. Wouldn't it you? If I knew what you were thinking, oh yeah, this morning. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said, what's harder? For me to say that the sins are forgiven or for me to say that you can experience healing. But just so that you will know that I have the power to do both. He looked at that man and he said, arise, take up your bed and walk, go home. You see, even in that moment. We recognize that only God can forgive sins and Jesus Christ who was God and is God Is the only one that can forgive Our sins Only God can do that It's his basic prerogative So what happened? Well, you know, it's the very basic message of who we are as believers God, who is a holy God, who is separated from us because of our sin, the debt that is there, the chasm that is there, it was bridged through the cross, through the resurrection of Jesus. Because we couldn't do it on our own. You and I couldn't pay back all the debt that we owed spiritually. But Jesus came. He lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross for us. Do you remember those last words? It is finished. There were seven words, seven statements basically spoken by Jesus from the cross. And one of those seven, it is finished. In the original language it's only one word. Tetelestai. It's as though he cried out just one word, Tetelestai. It is finished. But if you were to go back and study that word, you'd recognize that they would use that word to mean paid in full. So, in other words, in that day and age, when they would get some type of account and it was paid in full, they would basically stamp on it, if you want to think of it that way, they would think of it, tetelestai, paid in full, taken care of. This is what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus said, I got this. I'm taking care of their bill. The debt that they could not pay, I am paying it for them this day. You can count on it. No more bills should arrive at their address. I have taken care of their debt. Paul, he, he described it this way. In Colossians chapter 2. He said, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made all alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You think about that just a moment. He took our bills, he took our debt. And he just nailed it on the cross and he said, there it is paid for. How tremendous is that for us to know today that our sins, our debts are forgiven through Jesus Christ. The year of Jubilee. Many people look at Matthew six twelve. And they will somehow see it in context of the year of Jubilee. Remember, Matthew was writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. At least they came from a Jewish background. Jesus was praying with disciples that came from a Jewish background. So they were steeped in Judaism. They were steeped in the ritual and the history of Judaism. So perhaps as they're thinking about debts, their minds would have gone back to Leviticus 25 and 27. They're describing the year of Jubilee. And the life of Israel this year was to come around every 50 years. The year of Jubilee. It was to follow these successive sabbatical years. These seven different sabbatical years. It was to follow on the 50th year, the year of Jubilee. And what would happen? In the year of Jubilee, slaves would be freed... Land would return to the original owner. All the debt would be canceled. Now, that would be some year, wouldn't it? I mean, come on. Let's say the U.S. government says in about seven years, we're going to proclaim a year of Jubilee. And we're going to forgive every debt that you would have. Going to forgive every debt. Debt We're going to let things just go back it, It's going to be a great year Of celebration and proclamation Well what would you do? Well year six you'd try to go out and buy all you could <laughs> If there's anybody willing to sell to you Absolutely And for those of us again that have debt Could you imagine let, Let's just say that somehow A proclamation will end out Tomorrow and said, "All debt forgiven." There'd be some happy people around this place. I mean, you you folks would smile more than you ever had before. We'd call a special service together, just so I could see you smile all at the same time. No, no I'm kidding. We some of you some of you just sleep during the service. You not. But anyway, how awesome would that be? That all of our physical debts would be forgiven, taken away. We would celebrate. We'd be happy. But let me tell you something so, something so much better has already happened. You can proclaim a year of Jubilee spiritually because what has happened is all that debt that you've accumulated through the years, all those spiritual moments where you just simply failed, somehow you have already been forgiven of that. You experience the year of Jubilee every day. We can celebrate his freedom. We can celebrate his life. So when I come to this idea of forgive us our debts, I understand that my debt only finds forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Well, why should we pray this over and over? Because I get people sometimes that will say, why am I to pray for forgiveness then? Dr. Reggie, why would I I pray if Jesus already forgiven me that? Why do I pray for forgiveness? We're taught to. I mean, again, this is like a daily prayer. Just as we're praying for daily bread, we're praying that the Lord would provide His forgiveness in our lives. So some of you are saying this just doesn't seem right. contradicts what you're saying. We're already forgiven. Why would would we have to pray for for further forgiveness? When we're saved, listen to me. When we're saved, all of our sin is covered by the blood of Christ all of our sin past present future all of its covered. I believe that but that doesn't mean I stop sinning I still mess up and when I mess up it injures my fellowship with the father above so when I come to him and I ask him for forgiveness it's not I'm asking it's not affecting my positional relationship it's affecting my personal relationship. You got that? Write it down. It doesn't affect my positional relationship, it affects my personal. Let me give you an example. There are days that we disappointed our earthly parents. Got quiet in here all of a sudden. There were days we disappointed our earthly parents. But they were still our parents. Right? You went to your mother and you knew you'd messed up. And somehow she knew it because everybody in the community already told her. She knew. You knew. You came to her not because you wanted her to become your mother again. You came to her and you said those, yes, those words that change everything. I'm sorry. And you did that again to restore the fellowship that you had with her. This is the way it is with the Father. Once you and I are saved, again, we are His forever. No one can pluck us out of His hand. No one. If we truly gave our hearts and lives to Christ, no matter what this earth brings against us, just know that Paul says nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing. So I'm still his, he's still my dad. But when I mess up, when I sin, when I create some type of debt or deficit in that personal relationship, I just come to him and I say, God, I'm sorry. And He wants to hear that so that He can live in fellowship and so that you can live in fellowship with Him. So that you can get things right. That's what we do when we come. It's called confession. First John chapter 1, verse 9. For if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from sin I love this word, all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, and he's speaking here to believers. He's saying if, if we've had a ruptured relationship with God, and we're not living in fellowship, all we've got to do is come back to him and say, God, I'm sorry. Confess that sin. The word confess in the original language means to say the same thing as. So I come to God and I say the same thing thing as he does about my sin and about my life. God, I'm sorry. I know this is not good for me. I know this is something that has hurt your kingdom. I know that sin itself is a blot on your record and certainly my testimony. God, I confess these things. I leave them with you. And I believe, I, I, I trust your promise. You said if we do this and we come in this sense of repentance and confession that I can trust you to forgive me of all of my sins and bring me back into a loving relationship. So when I pray daily, I pray not for my positional place before the Father. I rather pray daily for forgiveness so that I can experience the walk with Him that I should and i'm dependent upon him i'm dependent upon him for that daily walk as a believer forgive us our debts and i think as you continue to read the new testament and you see other places that speak about confession i think it's good for us to get specific about those debts and those sins in our lives the westminster confession some years ago said that men ought not to be content with just general repentance. But rather, they should seek in their lives to repent of their... And I like this, okay? So catch it. They are to repent of their particular sins particularly. I like that, didn't you? I mean, you get specific. Particular sins particularly. In other words, when I come to him, it's not just a, hey, I know I messed up. It is saying, Lord, I know today that I did not treat that lady right when I walked in to that store. God, I know today that I wasn't there for my kids like I should have been. Lord, today I know that I did not represent you in a moment when I could have. Lord, I, I, I repent of that moment where I didn't share Christ with my friend today. But to get specific about those sins in our lives. Do you know what would happen if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in our nation came once again confessing and repenting of their sins? I am convinced that we would see the power of God fall as His people responded to Him and cried out to Him and just asked for Him to do a work in their lives of forgiveness so that they could walk again in His light. I'm convinced that we would see people come to know Him in salvation, we would see people revived and renewed in their walk with God. Forgive us our debts. One more little English lesson this morning. That verb forgive, in the original language, it means God, forgive decisively. Do something extraordinary. Do something that is so decisive in my life that I will know it, that I will experience it. God, you come and pointedly forgive me. That's what the original language means. I looked at that this week. I looked at Leslie and I said, man... This, this, is, this is a great tense for this verb being. She looked at me and she said, yeah, I hope you're not preaching on that Sunday morning. <laughs> I mean, come on, they're not going to really go for tenses necessarily. Not going to excite them in that way. But I said, look at this. In the original language, it, it just means that what Jesus says is when we pray, we need to pray for him to do something so decisive, so forgiving, so explosive, So dynamic that he would restore us to our walk with him. Friends, first of all, I want to say this morning there may be some of you who've never dealt with your sin, or you've been trying to deal with it on your own. You've been trying to work your way there, and I'm just going to tell you right now this this day, if you're trying to work your debt off, you are in a futile endeavor. It's not going to happen. You will be frustrated from now to the kingdom itself. And you'll never know eternal life through Christ. So let me say to you this day, let me, yes, I'll beg you this day. If you do not know Jesus Christ and you have never trusted in his sacrifice and his substitutionary death on the cross, you do it today. And experience the year of jubilee in your life. For those of us who are saved, may I just say that I think it might be, it might be too long ago that we, as a people, we as individuals, just simply got on our knees or sat in our seats and sought God and just said, "God, forgive us of this specific sin." God, restore us to the joy of the relationship we have with you. Today, again, whether it's here at the front bowed or whether it's in your seat, whether it's standing, whatever it is, would you use this moment of commitment? Would you use this moment to confess? Would you use this moment to ask him to do something decisive in your life To restore you to that relationship. Would you ask him to forgive? Let's pray together. Father. First of all we thank you that you loved us so much. That you sent Jesus for us. To do something we could not do for ourselves. To pay our debt. And God, I pray with all of my heart this morning that there's one in this place that has not given their life to you. Lord, I pray that today would be the day. Lord, I boldly approach you. And I ask you to convict and to speak right now. But God, I also pray for my fellow believers who are here. I pray for myself. Lord, there are days when we simply fall short. And God, instead of us just glossing over those moments. Would you help us deal with the sin that's in our life? May we say the same thing as you about this sin. May we come and may we agree with you. May we confess. God, do a work across our congregation today. That yes, it's not just forgive us of my sin, but Lord, forgive us of our sins our debts and may we hear from you may we see a powerful movement even now in Jesus name amen do you stand this morning